This is Fuse FM. A front-page article published in the Mancunian has highlighted what the university has called troubling behaviour in one of its most prominent sports clubs. A lengthy investigation conducted by the Mancunian found evidence of the University of Manchester's Ski and Snowboard Club encouraging preying on freshers, wearing blackface and engaging in public nudity. Beck Oakes has this to say. During a four-month investigation by Lily Martin and myself, we found evidence of appalling and disgusting behaviour within the club. The response to the article has been immense. This sort of toxic behaviour needs to be exposed and people need to be held accountable for their actions. The club has said they were upset by the article and promised to change their club culture. It's been revealed that UK universities are using gagging clauses to stop students going public with complaints about sexual assault. According to information obtained by BBC News, over a third of universities have used non-disclosure agreements since 2016. A leaked email chain between student union presidents suggests that some students may be unable to graduate at the end of the academic year due to ongoing UCU strikes. Writing to other SU leaders, Cardiff President Jackie Yip warned strike action could lead to delayed graduations. And finally, amphetamine has overtaken cocaine as the second most popular drug in Manchester. But the new data published by the Home Office found that cannabis was the most popular by a significant margin. That's all for now. You're in focus. Manchester Student Radio. Hello, hi, you're back with us. You're back with us here on Fuse in Focus. Um, So, a bit of an interesting episode of the show today. We're joined by a couple of new voices that we've not had on before. Would you both like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, hi, I'm Jess. It's my first show. (laughs) Hi, I'm Serafina. And then we've got a good old voice returning. Hi, it's Rebecca. (laughs) Um, In case anybody hasn't heard the show before, the formula is really simple and straightforward. It's Sorry, I'm just getting hung. (laughs) As we are trying to start the show, uh, that is uh, our producer Megan, who is very unhappy with me for an <laughs> undisclosed <laughs> reason. Um, basically, all we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking three stories that you may have heard, you may not have heard about, and we're going to be discussing them for about ten minutes a piece in slightly more detail than you know you might otherwise be able to in student media. Um, is that all sound good? Does that all sound good with everyone? Is everyone cool with that? Yeah. All right, good stuff. So I think let's just go right into our first story. Um, We are going to be talking about an article published in the Mancunian about scum, which is, uh, or has been billed, Manchester's Bullingdon Club, in an article by Beck Oaks and Lily Martin. And I believe we're actually joined now on the phone by Lily. Can you hear me, Lily? Good morning. How are we all? Doing very good, thank you. I'm not sure if everyone else can hear you, so I think... It, yeah, I can, hey. So it's just me and Rebecca. How are you doing, Lily? <laughs> I'm not bad. How are you both? Yeah, we're good, We're yeah. doing pretty good. Yeah, we're, we're doing good. okay. We're doing all good. So um, would you be able to just give us kind of a quick rundown as to what the article's about? Yeah, so the piece in the Mancunian is about the University Ski Society Um, It's an investigation piece which is particularly focused on some of the evidence that we uncovered about their behaviour behind closed doors um, on group chats and on ski trips and some of their behaviour basically around the university and around ski events. And there's some uh, pretty nasty stuff in there. I mean it's... um... I think the sort of reaction across the university has been that it's, you know, I, I think it's quite shocking to see that this stuff does kind of um, go on in Manchester. Could you give us a few examples, maybe, of some of the behaviour that you're talking about? 
Um, so some of the stuff that was written in the article, um, we're looking at disruptive and potentially dangerous or illegal activities. Um, we're looking at destruction of property on ski trips, including an instance which alone amounted to £12,000. What? Uh, pardon? I just said what? <laughs> I was just astounded. I know. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of money, you know, for, for a lot of us. Um, and lots of discussions on group chats about um, a quote here, preying on freshers, um, jokes about sexually assaulting a prominent British skier. Um, there's also things like ski trip challenges, um, which encourage individuals to behave in inappropriate ways. Um, offensive images uh, on group chats, which I won't explain. I'm sure many of us have seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just, you know, general shenanigans and Sorry, I think we've have we gone off a bit there. Uh, yeah, I think we've lost Lily for a bit. I think we have lost Lily for a little no, bit. No, no, she's back. She's back. Is she back? Hi, should we back? Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. about that, Lily. No, that's all right. Um, so, what kind of response has you uh, or have you had from the article? Have people been talking about it at all? Um, to be perfectly honest with you all, I have been trying to keep out of it as much as possible i'm aware of the fact that the university have given a statement saying that the behavior is totally unacceptable and that they are opening investigation and i'm aware of the fact that the student union have released a quite lengthy statement condemning the behavior and advocating certain steps and measures to be implemented against the society but as far as online reaction is concerned there was a lot of um, quite nasty response. Um, so I have been keeping well out of it, to be perfectly honest. How have you avoided that level of scrutiny? Because we've seen a lot of hateful comments on FSG. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of it was directed at Beck, but have you had anything yeah. targeted at you specifically that you've had um, to navigate? I, I haven't, but I've very, I'm basically, the way I look at it is I was asked to do a job. And it's unpleasant and it's not a lot of fun, particularly when you're looking at something that is quite horrific or I found personally quite horrific for such a long period of time. That's bad enough. So when you're trying to do your job and then people are, you know, arguably justifiably trying to protect themselves or their friends, but in a very nasty, bitter way, it makes your life 10 times as difficult yeah, And, you know, I particularly sympathise with Beck because she's been very much tackling the, uh, you know, the aggression towards her head on. Um, I haven't done that. I've been keeping well out of it because I don't I don't think that I um, having been exposed to all this evidence for as long as I have. I don't think that I can um, that I can judge them fairly. Going going back to you saying that you were asked to do a job, how did Mm. you and Beck decide to start this investigation and how did you go about your research? Well, we um, we were we were both aware, as I'm sure many people are, about the kind of behaviour that the ski society was associated with. And we both felt that it was 
not really acceptable and that it, it wasn't really fair to other societies particularly other societies out of the athletic union who don't get the same kind of funding and who if they behave like this you know it would never be you know it would be never be allowed by either student population or the university and you know and and, and to SU um and so when we were approached by a whistleblower within the society with this evidence it felt like it was an important thing to do, despite the fact that we knew that it would go- cause a lot of difficulty for us and that we would get a lot of hate. It felt like it was something that needed to be addressed because if we don't start putting our foot down as students now and saying this isn't acceptable and that we don't think it's right and we don't start you know, engaging in these conversations, then fundamentally nothing ever changes. But it requires you know, required us to be quite, you know, harsh, really, and and put our necks out in order to start this conversation happening. And we just hope that it, it has started a dialogue that is going to cause some real change and some real reflection about people's actions. I think, um, I mean, the article in of itself, um, I mean, obviously there's, there's no one sort of specifically named, you know, everyone's identities are kept sort mm. of... Um, very very much um you know sort sort of concealed so uh, mm. you know it's not as if sort of um you know anyone's been sort of personally implicated in this i yeah. mean sort of in my personal opinion i i mean i do think this is the kind of behavior that is worth highlighting um yeah. and you know at the very least if it can start that conversation you know i think that's mm. um you know that's uh, that, that that's very very worthwhile um so i think we're going to go now and just kind of discuss the um the article here so thank you very very much lily for joining us um thank you and thank you for shedding light on the issue yeah that's all right no worries have a great morning guys yeah you too thank you very much lily cheers Bye. so let's just discuss that one a bit more broadly so um, i don't know if you guys were able to hear that but what are your thoughts on the article as a whole bravery for Beck to have come forward and written about her experiences within this club and I think it kind of provides a very in-depth insight into what this club and how they were running and it's kind of horrifying what a a society within the university can get up to Mm -hmm. I think when you read it it's very shocking and very just gives that image of what on earth is going on how has this been able to happen it's yeah not good social outcry that's happening at the moment because of these sort of issues that it is something that's still going on on a lower level at the university um so i think it's really important that we have sort of called it out and hopefully now there's a little bit more awareness of sort of what disgusting behaviors is going on there might be less of it in the future i think that's the kind of um i don't know the crux of the article really isn't it just sort of raising awareness and i guess just putting this information out into the public domain and i know that you know at the very least the article has started conversations like, like even people like in my lectures and classes that you know wouldn't normally read the mancunian as much as i'd obviously encourage them to you know everyone has been talking about the article it has definitely highlighted this you know behavior and this kind of culture that's become so prevalent um within the society and everything um do we suppose then everyone i mean do we think that the article will have a lasting impact or will it just sort of, will it blow over and the behaviour will continue? I'd like to think so. I don't think student journalism should be underestimated. And seeing that so many people have started this conversation, people are more aware about the ongoings of the society. 
And it's just appalling and shocking to everyone that a society that gets funding from the university can get away with so much horrendous behavior. Um, so hopefully the university's investigation will have an impact. Um, they'll observe the code of conduct for the AU and the university as a whole. And yeah, hopefully this will change the overarching culture of university, university societies. Has anyone else got any thoughts on that at all? The actual article's had itself and it's probably going to go down in history as one of the most, you know, well, like the journalism's amazing. And I think the amount of people that have engaged with it, especially on social media, you can see the comments that are left, people selling their tickets. You know, I think people are reacting to it in the way that they were supposed to. They were what they need to get away from the society and to make them change, like to force it to happen. And on a practical level, I think there's uh, people are sort of less inclined to uh, kind of go on the trips now with with scum so if they are literally practically getting less interest because of this it might force them to change their behaviors um, maybe more than the negative publicity has and i think that's quite a uh, good note to sort of round this uh, off on we're sort of coming up to 10 minutes um that's the end of our student story section um just to make everyone listening as uh, aware as well um, but Fuse in Focus are currently working on a Reclaim the Night special. Um, obviously, Reclaim the Night happened yesterday. I don't know if anybody saw it or went along to it. Did anyone? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Everyone was there. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was I was working, but we still we heard it through the building, and I'm not even anywhere near the route. Like, I, like there was just all this commotion, and someone was like, "What's that going on?" I was like, "I was like, oh, I think I actually know what that is. That's Reclaim the Night." <laughs> Um, so, moving on to our next story. Um, I think, Jess, you're probably the person to introduce this one to us, given that you did write <laughs> the article. Yeah, I was talking about Barrington, or he's also known as Boombox Barry, so everyone will have seen him going down Oxford Road or around Manchester on his bike with an Ikea bag with an extremely large speaker playing some distorted music. Um, it kind of, <laughs> kind of shocks you as you're walking by, especially on a Monday morning. Um, but yeah, the Manchester Evening News managed to get an interview with him, and it was kind of an insight into his life so possibly many people have um thought that he's homeless or maybe that why is he doing this what is he just being a nuisance on the streets but actually it was really interesting to hear that he is playing this music out of a genuine passion and love for finding new tracks finding mm -hmm. new genres he was saying that he he goes home he looks for new music he wants to share it with people and it's all happening on his way to visit his mum who's not very well and it's just his a to b journey he just mm -hmm. wants to you know, give people a bit of bit of him, bit of his music while he's going there. And he has a home. He lives in Moss Side, I think it was. And yeah, it, it really, when you read it, it, you kind of get to know him. And it's all about him wanting more friends and feeling a bit lonely. And yeah, it's someone that you see for 30 seconds going down the street and then you get to know him a bit more. It was, yeah, a really mm. interesting article to yeah, hear about him. And I think as well, like, um, if anyone has encountered him, they'll know that you, you usually hear him before you see him. Definitely, definitely hear him before you see him. <laughs> has anyone actually encountered him in the wild, in his, in his element? Yeah, yeah so uh, we were both in Chalton a few weeks ago, um, just like going around some charity shops, and we saw him. Uh, he, he was buying some children's toys from the ch charity shops and sort of unpacking them and putting them into his bag. <laughs> he still had the music going, full blast. Um, it, was, it was odd to see him sort of outside his, the, where we'd seen him before, like in his mm. natural habitat on Oxford Road. But yeah, he does... He, it's Chalton apparently <laughs> yeah it's very cool Rebecca have you ever encountered him not like that but I find that every time I see him I just perk up immediately I left lectures yeah. last week and he was just happened to be biking past just then um and it made going to uni worth it 
I love that, like, all the times that I've seen him, because you'll see him go past, and then, like, there's a genuine, like, head-turning, where, like, everyone will look at him, and, like, the the universal response seems to be everyone just laughing, and just thinking, like, that is absolutely amazing. There's someone here just, like, blasting tracks from a boombox in central Manchester. Like, the UOM um, confessions pages, like, the people, the things people post on there, like, tourists are like, who's this guy going down uh, Oxford Road, or, oh, he just made my day, or I want to meet him. Yeah, there's a lot of love from the community. But he's been at it for years because I remember like people talking about him when like I think I must have been like thirteen and someone was like oh I saw this guy like cycling (laughs) down like Oxford Road like and he was he was just blasting tracks. I think it was it's over ten years he's been doing it. Mm -hmm. I think I think he couldn't pinpoint how long he'd been riding up and down the streets, but yeah, it was it's a while. If he can't even remember himself, it must be a long time. I think he's like a, a really interesting example of I'm sure that like in everyone's sort of hometown or city everyone will have like just, just I don't know like people that are more like urban myth than than, than person <laughs> yeah. um, does anyone else know anyone from their home areas that are, are a bit like that at all so not from the top of my head yeah. no, no one quite like Barry yeah. <laughs> Barry's at the top Barry's of that the list. most important yeah. <laughs> there was a guy in um, Derby where I lived for a few years everyone just knew him as the backwards man because he walked I... everywhere backwards <laughs> which was right. and you'd, you'd see him around and he'd just be walking down and he'd just be like reading the paper just like I do not know how he survived unscathed but he would he would walk backwards reading clearly not looking where he was going and he was at it for years I saw him so many times mad so no Impressive. nobody no, nobody's got any other any other people like that off the top of their head. There was one man in Birmingham who uh, used to walk around with a little lunchbox skipping, but we we only ever saw him on one certain stretch of this road, um, so he wasn't really like a, a myth around the whole of Birmingham, just sort of around where I went to school. Okay, okay. Um, but he was called the Lunchbox Man, so... <laughs> <laughs> very inventive title but as integral to my school experience as boombox fairy is to my university one so i love that like the naming conventions for people like this is just the most basic information so boombox barrington like like he's got a boombox and that's his name the backwards man moves backwards and the lunchbox man has a lunchbox yeah exactly exactly um so i think let's just move on to um another story um a slightly um heavier one than i think we'd usually tackle on um fuse in focus rebecca would you care to introduce this one not to put you on the spot yeah i know but i'm sure as everyone's aware um caroline flack passed away last week unfortunately um and it's 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 a tragedy really and it's relevant largely because of the media's impact on her suicide um, and we really need to start focusing on the culture of, of media cruelty and just viciousness from not just the media, but the people who consume that media, who who are so immersed in those clickbait articles that yeah. are hateful and spiteful um, when we don't necessarily know the ongoings of someone's personal lives. Um, so we also need to be more selective about what we read, what we believe the kind of hate we spread and realize that just because someone's famous, they're not, I mean, they're still vulnerable. They're still people. Mm-hmm. Really relevant. She was such a huge figure for students in like our generation. You know, she's presented Love Island, one of the most watched shows by people our age. She's on Strictly. She's been on the radio. She's everywhere. And I think that's so important that people recognize that, that she was struggling and that it's okay. Like she, 
she came off so vibrant and happy and sometimes you don't know what's happening to someone behind that screen and she struggled to escape that media intervention into her life so we did know perhaps you know with the the court cases going on we knew that she was being scrutinized by the public and through all the different headlines you saw like I know even like my grandma she was saying things that she'd rather daily mail that I was just thinking that's that's horrendous don't say stuff like that it was about the what she water caught everything she did was covered every every move she made everything she said on instagram social media was just covered and i think that was really really intense for her yeah. i think there's just a, a sense of entitlement from tabloids um that you can put people under a sort of magnifying glass and everything's up for grabs everything can be criticized when they're just trying to she was dealing with something difficult on her own um and we all just thought that that was for us to consume and observe and judge without actually knowing what was under what was going on in her life I mean, I think it's. Um, I think you're definitely right. It highlights something very strange about the innate value of celebrity culture, doesn't it? Because seemingly, if someone is within the public eye, it's certainly treated within the press and within the media that that person's, you know, their their life is public. You know, if somebody puts themselves out there in a public capacity. It just seems accepted that, oh, well, every single aspect of them is public and we can discuss whatever we want in, you know, whatever sort of light. Um, uh, Which is obviously, I think, kind of, you know, as we've seen from this and certainly with people in the past, like, you know, Amy Winehouse under broadly similar circumstances, you know, it's definitely highlighting a bit of a sort of worrying social trend with celebrity culture. Like Meghan Markle as well like she's escaped it she's literally left to like get away from the British tabloids because of how intense they are mm. and it's so unfortunate that someone has had to receive all this like, like Carolyn's had to take all this on and has clearly not been able to escape it at all um yeah I think she's, she's had a lot of support shown to her through like other celebrities but yeah it kind of brings it back to but they're scrutinized as well who is safe in this mm. group of people that are all supporting her like you don't know who else is going through the same struggles that she might be facing she faced uh i think um as well megan's just highlighted something to me here i don't know if anybody's seen but um caroline flack's family published um an unreleased instagram post uh, which we'll just lead out read out in full now for a lot of people, being arrested for common assault is an extreme way to have some sort of spiritual awakening, but for me it's become the normal. I've been pressing the snooze button on many stresses in my life for my whole life. I've accepted shame and toxic opinions on my life for over ten years and yet told myself it's all part of my job. No complaining. The problem with brushing things under the carpet is they are still there, and one day someone is going to lift that carpet up and you all are going to feel shame and embarrassment. On December the 12th, 2019, I was arrested for common assault on my boyfriend. Within 24 hours, my whole world and future was swept under my feet and all the walls that I had taken so long to build around me collapsed. I'm suddenly on a different kind of stage and everyone is watching it happen. I've always taken responsibility for what happened that night, even on the night, but the truth is it was an accident. I've been having some sort of emotional breakdown for a very long time, but I'm not a domestic abuser. We had an argument and an accident happened. An accident. The blood that someone sold to a newspaper was my blood, and that was something very sad and very personal. The reason I'm talking today is because my family can't take it anymore. I've lost my job, my home, my ability to speak, and the truth has been taken out of my hands and used as entertainment. I can't spend every day hidden away being told not to say or speak to anyone. I'm so sorry to my family for what I've brought upon them and for what my friends have had to go through. 
I'm not thinking about how I'm going to get my career back. I'm thinking about how I'm going to get mine and my family's life back. I can't say any more than that. What are people's thoughts about that? It's sort of unfair to her that she's had to lose her freedom and her, her what she dubs you know her life um, because of this alleged freedom of the press. I think there needs to come a point where the freedom sort of ends and people's privacy is respected because yes she may be in the public eye and she may have you know made it her job to to be more out there than a normal person but she does still deserve that basic level of privacy and just you know basic rights to just sort of live her life without you know feeling attacked all the time mm-hmm. and i think yes she is a flawed human being but it doesn't give the press any right to sort of make her life a living hell and so that it will end in something so tragic as to what happened that shouldn't really ever happen to anyone whether or not they've decided to sort of display aspects of their life or not. I think what tabloids also do is they see things in a very black and white way. So if they vilify someone, then that person has to be inherently completely flawed. So they can't they can't isolate one incident and see that as not a pattern of someone's character. They have to just demonize the person. And yeah, it's not that simple. You can't reduce people to tropes like that. Mm. Mm entertainment that she uses like the word entertainment her life wasn't entertainment she was in the entertainment industry but she wasn't she shouldn't have been penalized for being in there and that's her life wasn't on a show for people to criticize i just again like what you guys are saying it's it's a tragedy like what happened and the fact that it's going on with so many other celebrities as well you know taking the example of Meghan markle and, and amy winehouse yeah it's it is an ongoing issue and it it is it has been highlighted many times and still nothing's really happening about it so i think hopefully going forward it might sort of spark a change in in the news business um but i'm i'm not sure to be honest especially because some of the people who have been putting out statements mourning her um are people who are massive hypocrites like Piers morgan and if you're part of the culture and you're perpetuating this culture then you need to acknowledge that and be held accountable for it um and maybe start looking at how your actions are complicit I think um, there's an article as well, or sorry, not an article, there's a petition that's been started online on 38 Degrees um, for what's been named Caroline's Law, and it's it's been getting an absolutely slew of um, signatures, almost uh, 800,000 people have signed it now, which I think is the required amount for it to be, yeah, for it to to be discussed. Um, But if anyone hasn't seen it, basically it's the proposition that the House of Commons consider a law that would make it um, a criminal offence, effectively, to just knowingly and relentlessly basically bully a person in the press, which which I think is basically what happened to um, to Caroline Flack. And, you know, whether or not they are in the public eye, you know, um, I don't think anybody sort of deserves that kind of attention. I mean, to sort of offer uh, kind of the alternative viewpoint here and to maybe play devil's advocate with everyone for a second... What would you say to the argument I've seen around that people have said, oh, well, you know, she put herself into the public eye. She voluntarily chose to appear on Love Island to take a job that she knew full well was going to result in a level of public scrutiny. What would your response to like that sort of style of thinking be? I've seen that line of reasoning applied to many different situations. Just any time a celebrity's put under the spotlight. And I think at the end of the day, that's just their career. They found a job that they happen to be good at caroline flack was born to be on tv she's got i mean she was great at presenting um she's very charismatic and she knew how to monetize that that does not mean she 
she deserves to be bullied by the public and by the media. I think that's just a cop out. Advocate, people are paid to make these headlines. People make a lot of money from selling these papers because of the headline that scrutinizes a certain celebrity. There was someone that was saying she she was talking about a video of um, Caroline playing with a child and linking it to Harry Styles. And she was saying that she just she didn't want to write this article and she used this as a joke within this piece. And she just felt so forced by the company she was working for to just exploit these people, take something that was meant as a joke or something nice and just completely twist it. Mm. And it it was is out of she this journalist didn't feel like she wanted to do that, but that was the money and that was yeah. what was going to sell that was going to get her the views the you know the jobs if she did this uh, i think it's definitely a cultural issue isn't it that there's, that's very very um endemic and within the fabric of the way that we consume media now because the media is prone to sensationalize you know people know that if you can splash sort of a big controversial topic on the front of a paper or on the you know as the headline of an article online you know people are going to want to read that and I, I think it's kind of very very unfortunate that kind of the innate way that people consume that media can have such detrimental and negative effects such as this you know I, I, as we've seen time and time again you know i don't even think this is that dissimilar from um do you remember last year when there was all the stuff about the jeremy kyle show being taken off air for the way that like people on that show had been treated i think it's all part of the same culture and the same ecosystem of hate and bullying effectively love island as well like the scrutiny on the people that go into the show and then out that there's been deaths in the contestants are on that show i think it all links to how much people are look the people's lives are invaded by the media and i guess you could use the same argument with love island you've chosen to go on that show you've chosen to put your life out there but you've not chosen to be you know, vil- like vilified by the media mm. and criticised. You've just gone on there for fun, in a way, to find happiness. Because but- I, I think um, I, I don't know the names, but I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I think two previous contestants yeah. in Love Island have killed themselves as as well. Um, and you know, if, if that doesn't highlight that there's something kind of fundamentally rotten at the heart of that culture, I don't really know what does. It's just a shame that the backlash only sort of tends to come once something really once tragic and really late. extreme has happened i think we i think the love island producers have sort of introduced uh more mental health provisions for contestants um which hopefully will make a change in the future um but i think it does kind of highlight the fact that there is something specifically wrong with that sort of reality genre um because their their love lives which is something that's quite you know personal normally that is being exploited um for the press um so hopefully things will start to change um, but again, I do think it's going to be a bit of a slow process. It, it also sends the message that if producers or the media can can be this negative and vicious, then why can't the general public? It just enables bullying on a broader scale. And yeah, I think I think anyone who's in the industry needs to think about that. I think um, just to kind of bring this full circle and maybe look at you know the way that we can maybe start to have an influence on this. Um, I just put the question to you all. When people read these articles, when people watch shows like Love Island, you know, I've, I've watched Love Island, I've read those articles. Are we complicit in that? Do we have a role to play in looking or not looking? I think in the age of social media, not to be all sort of, you know, social media is bad, but I think <laughs> yes, because obviously social media did allow Caroline Flight to put so much of her life on uh, online for everyone to see and the fact that everybody's kind of engaging with that just show that we are sort of interested 
um and I'm, it's very difficult to sort of turn around and say yeah it is sort of our fault as well um because it is us that are sort of engendering the the media's you know we're the ones that are clicking and so they're the ones that are going to want to pay for those articles um so i think yes perhaps we need to go into our social media use with a little bit more kindness uh in mind maybe I think that's a really good note to kind of round this bit to an end on. We've run slightly over on this topic, but there's so many things to talk about. Um, I think just to kind of move on to our uh, sort of end story for the week, something I've seen circulated a lot on social media, Dave's performance at the Brits. Have we all seen it? Yes. And how do we all feel about it? I loved it. (laughs) I think um, it... It's just a really efficient, not efficient, but sort of important way to get the message out, uh, kind of targeting the youth and the people that have a voice. Um, it, it was it was just quite a cool thing to do, I think. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad he used his platform to make a statement um, because not anybody can, not everybody can generate such an audience, especially at, at the Brit Awards, for example. Yeah. Um, and it's quite bold to be political as well. I think Stormzy also made a similarly political statement at last year's awards. Um I think yeah, it didn't. It, was it last year or the year before where he said that Theresa May is a waste man, or did he call her <laughs> something like that? Something like that. Um, and also touched on Grenfell, which Dave did. Um, so it's good to see that they're raising awareness, criticizing the people who deserve to be criticized mm-hmm. in the public eye. Uh, I think we we should probably just preface this. I, I can I can sense Megan's um, sort of imposing glare. Of, we are just expressing our opinions on this matter. We, we're not categorically saying uh, we're, we're not approving or condoning in an official capacity, Dave's maybe. But in my personal opinion, <laughs> it was awesome, and uh, I, I loved it every second of it. Um, so I think just to kind of play us out we'll finish the show by playing the actual studio version of the track because that's such a fitting way to end the show um thank you everyone for being here and thank you everyone for listening um have you guys enjoyed your first appearance on the show yeah it's been really good wonderful yeah. thank you <laughs> um so if anybody is interested in getting in touch with the show you can find us on instagram at fusing focus if you want to get in touch with us and maybe come and appear on the show just find the fuse fm news presenters group on facebook drop any one of us a message we're always really really happy to just take part and just, yeah just have people on board we want to hear your thoughts so thank you all very very much for appearing again thank you everyone for listening and this is black by dave <laughs>